Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're just going to call this one a divine mis- mismatch, <laughs> a divine mismatch. And this is one of the most famous stories in not just the Bible, but in just literature in general. How many times have we heard of the story of David and Goliath? But we're going to hear the original story, the historical account of what happens whenever God decides that he's going to move through somebody. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And hopefully by the end of it, we sit there and we look at it and go, well, who exactly was the one that was the mismatch? Actually, it looks like I felt bad for Goliath. <laughs> we'll get into that in just a moment. As always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on the podcast. And as always, rally together with us at the Facebook discussion group called the Bible Breakdown Discussion, where we just dig into God's Word. There's so much in this chapter that I'm going to let them do a lot of this because there's just so much here. And the more we dig, the more we find on just learning about some of the cultures and how some of this kind of feeds into the narrative of what's going on. And we're going to jump into it. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open up with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Remember the overall theme of 1 Samuel is God's providence despite our silliness. And it's that idea that we don't always do the right thing, don't always go in the right way, but God's always nudging us in the right direction to get us where he wants us to go. And we can see that throughout the early kingdom of the nation of Israel. And they had they still have Saul as the king, and he's making all kinds of mistakes, but God is slowly moving him in the right direction, and now they have anointed a new king. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> David has been anointed the king, but nobody knows other than his family and Samuel. And now they're in another battle, and David is not where you think he would be. He's at home with the sheep. He spends a lot of time with Saul, King Saul, and he's kind of his armor bearer's right-hand man. But at this particular time, he's back home again. But then when he finds out about what's going on, watch what he does, and let's see what God's Word would teach us today. And we're also going to talk about a theological problem where some people say, you know, it's wrong for us to put ourselves in David's shoes. We're going to talk about all that, but let's get into it together. If you're ready, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1 says this. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sukkah in Judah and Azkah of Mashistadim. Saul, um, Saul countered, I don't know why that word was so hard to say, Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. That's, that's really tall. All right? that, that is just a foot shorter than a basketball goal. I'm trying to get some perspective. He wore a bronze helmet and a bronze coat of mail weighing 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed about 15 pounds. 
and his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. So, first of all, he's a big old dude. Okay, he's nine feet tall. He's got all this heavy armor to cover, you know, this really big body. So that means he was pretty strong at the same time. And he had an armor bearer. Wouldn't you want to not be that guy's armor bearer? Have to keep up <laughs> with that heavy equipment? And apparently, he was so big that the armor bearer, his job was not only to take care of the armor, but he just carried the shield everywhere he went. So Goliath was a big guy. And look what he did. Verse 8 says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? Why are you coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight with me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, I'll tell you something that's very interesting about this. The Bible is going to say that Goliath would come out every morning and every night, every evening, to taunt and to challenge the Israelites. One thing that's really interesting is it was a custom already by this time is the Israelites would quote the Shema, which was, Hear our Lord of Israel, the Lord our God is one. And one of the things is that, that he is, uh, no one can stand before the Lord and just, just really just talking about how good God was. And while they are praying and announcing the greatness of God, this Philistine champion is defying the armies of Israel. And so it's very much a taunt against them, trying to say, well, if your God is so great, send a man out to fight, right? All right, verse 12. Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephraite of Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at this time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimea, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest boys stayed with Saul's army. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. So 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. And on one day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. Give ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report to see how they were doing. David's brothers were with Saul in the army in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with other shepherds and set out the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon, the Israelite army forces stood facing each other, and the army was against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion of Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelites' army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen this giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who will kill him. And he will give one, this one man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing the Philistine to end the defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And then the men gave David the same reply and said, Yes, that is the reward for killing him. 
But when David's older brothers, Eliab, or older brother Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. And he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, so the king sent for him. So pause. Isn't it good to know that even siblings in the Bible fussed at each other? <laughs> I mean, you imagine they're, they're on a battlefield. If they can figure out what to do with Goliath, they're going to go to battle. And they still got time to fuss with each other. I mean, that just makes me feel better to know, not just me and mine, but everybody. But notice how Saul is saying, anybody who will go and fight this guy, I'm going to make your family exempt from taxes. I'm going to let you get married into the royal family. All kinds of great stuff. And everybody's saying, no, (laughs) not interested in fighting. But David isn't like that. David already knows he's been anointed king. David is already a man of war. That's one thing we forget about. We, we think of David as some like 10-year-old kid. He's already a man of war. He's still a young man, but he's fought before. And he is not afraid of this Philistine. So now verse 32 says this. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight for him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, which would be like a teenager. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it. Uh, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally contested. All right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. And then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on and strapped a sword over it. But as he took one or two steps to see what it was like, he had never worn these things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. And he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Now pause. Now first of all, notice how Saul is willing to let him go fight. But he wants to put his own armor on him. I've read a lot of commentaries and a lot of things that said it would have been very irregular for Saul to have done this. He could have as easily given him any other kind of armor. So some wonder if... What Saul was doing was he was very interested in the courage of this young man. And so if you look from a distance, if you put his armor on them, he may not not have been able to tell whether it was Saul or not. And so maybe even in this situation, he's trying to steal a little bit of David's glory and prestige. But David puts this on and it just feels uncomfortable. And so he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going for the fight of my life. I am not wearing something I have not tested. But the Bible said he went down and he got five smooth stones from the river brook uh, floor. And the reason for that is, is he was going to use them in a sling. Now, even today, among sheep herders in the Middle East, these guys are marksmen with slings. 
You can pull it up on YouTube, and you can see where these guys can, from I'm talking about a long way away, they can hit like a can off the end of a fence post. I mean, their aim is amazing. And I saw something one time where it said it's almost like 100 miles an hour that once they get to slinging this thing around and, and let that rock go, that they can really do some damage. It would have been the equivalent of a sharpshooter from now, now time. So we think about the idea of poor David, all he had was a sling. Actually, this was definitely used during that time as a uh, weapon of warfare. And he wasn't going basically unarmed. He was going with one of the greatest distance weapons of the time. So yes, God's doing a miracle, but David's not an idiot <laughs> as well. And so he's already realizing, I'm not going to be able to beat this guy in a hand-to-hand combat. So I'm going to keep my distance and trust the Lord to give me a good aim. Verse 41 says this, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And David replied, I love this, listen, listen, listen to this smack talk right here. David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Listen, 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 this is great. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'm going to give your dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and with a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Mm. That is David's way of saying, come and get you some. (laughs) So here we go, verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank in. And Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. That's amazing, right? And remember, because we talked about how uh, much force you could get behind these this uh, sling, that of course it could do that. But then what you don't usually hear about is what happens next. Verse 50, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him, and he cut off his head. That's the rest of the story. David cut off his head. And then verse 51 says, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The dead, the bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all around the road of Sharim as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, and he stored the man's armor in his own tent. Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine and asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? (laughs) In other words, he he had met David. But he's like, now, wait a minute. Maybe I need to investigate a little bit further. So Abner says, I really don't know. Well, find out who he is, the king told him. And as soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, said Saul said. And so David said, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. 
My goodness. So you think about it. Goliath, tall man. He's, he's got size. He's got skill with battle. But here's the thing. You got a young man who's also got some skill with battle, but he's got this one ingredient that's not so secret. That is, he's been called by the Lord. God has chosen him for this moment. And so really, we shouldn't have felt bad for, for David. We should have felt bad for Goliath. Because all Goliath has got is size. David has got the Lord. And he's got the experience of when it matters the most, he knows that God's going to come through. Notice how he said, when my life was on the line, when my sheep were on the line, God came through when it was life or death. And that's one of the things that's amazing, is that many times God will show us his faithfulness in small matters so that when it really counts, we can trust in him. That's why it's so important. One of the things I encourage people to do is to keep a journal, to journal the little victories that God does in your life. Journal the prayers that you're praying for, because when you see God answer your prayers, you can then begin to believe God for bigger things, because God is able to do above and beyond everything we could ask or think. But sometimes all we see is the next Goliath, and that's why we struggle. And by the way, that is one of the things that I've heard people push back on as they say, we, we, we read this story, we shouldn't put ourselves in David's shoes. You know, a good way to see this is put Jesus in David's shoes. Jesus conquered the giant called sin for us. And of course, that's obviously true. But I love to, to understand that David was just a man. David was called and anointed by God, but he was just a man. And when he trusted God, he was able to do great things. And so I love saying if God can do that for David, We serve the same God, and he's still looking for the same thing, and that is faithful obedience. So I have no problem putting ourselves in David's shoes saying that when an enemy comes to discredit God. Now, I think you need to be careful what you put in Goliath's shoes. This story doesn't mean that every time you want something new, God's going to give it to you. It doesn't mean that every time you decide to take on more than you should, God's going to bail you out. What it does mean is that when people come to defy God, when people stand in your way of doing what God's called you to do, they, won't, they can stand, but they won't stay. It's so always remember to trust the Lord, and he will always see you through. And when God's on your side, it's a divine mismatch in favor of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. Thank you that you're with us. I pray, God, you will help us to see our lives, not as an accident waiting to happen, but as a divine mismatch. That because you're with us, no matter what stands against us, it won't be able to prevail. Because God, you have many enemies, but you have no rivals. You still stand undefeated. And we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, don't forget, God's word says in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Samuel chapter 18.